my sister and I would be in the, the two forward bunks in the sleeping bags, and he would read poems for, I don't know how long, 20, 30 minutes maybe. Hello, and welcome to the Arts of Language podcast with Andrew Poudois, founder of the Institute for Excellence in Writing, or as many like to say, IEW. My name is Julie Walker, and I'm honored to serve Andrew and IEW as the Chief Marketing Officer. Our goal is to equip teachers and teaching parents with methods and materials which will aid them in training their students to become confident and competent communicators and thinkers. So as I was preparing for this podcast today, Andrew, it being June, and I'm wanting to talk about Father's Day. In the same way that we had a episode of Lessons You Learned from Your Mother, I thought it would be great to have a a podcast on Lessons You Learned from Your Father. And I know that the conversations that you and I have had over the years, and actually pretty recently, our fathers were a lot alike. We grew up in Southern California uh-huh. in the aerospace industry. Yes. My father worked for Hughes Aircraft Company. Oh, and, and my father worked for Thompson Ramo Wildrich, TRW also, Systems. TRW, yep. And we, we of course, knew Which all eventually that. was bought out by Hughes. Right, yeah. exactly. And then um, my dad loved sailboats. Your dad loved sailboats. He lived to sail. Yeah. yeah. So, and we sailed out of uh, King Harbor Yacht Club in. Redondo Beach. I think you were not there. You no, were... we sailed out of San Pedro. Mm-hmm. So there was uh, the Buccaneer, tiny little cute yacht club, mm-hmm. and then Cabrillo Beach mm-hmm. Yacht Club that was a little more serious. Mm-hmm. And it, which one were you in? Both. Both. <laughs> you were serious. If oh, you yeah. Were he he could clubs. have probably done a third, but I'm sure there were reasons as to why <laughs> that wasn't wise. I, I think... Probably I'm just intuiting that another similarity between our fathers is that perhaps they did things a little impulsively without talking to their wives first. Like my dad bought me a little Sabbath sailboat without checking in with my mother first, and that caused a little bit of consternation at home. Oh, no, my parents didn't. I don't recall any Mm -hmm. disagreements of that sort. If they had them, I certainly wasn't aware of them. Did your mother love to sail as well? She probably liked it better when she was younger Mm, and tolerated it for a very long time. Yeah. I think there were certain aspects of it that she enjoyed, Mm -hmm. but she was very often cold. Yes. She did not like being cold. (laughs) Well, and the, the beaches and the ocean in California is very much cooler than in the Atlantic Ocean, because the California current just brings that cold weather right down from Alaska. Yeah, and it's it, cold in the ocean. It's damper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the humidity level. It's not like you know, Texas or right. something, but right. it's but it's higher. Well, my mother didn't swim. Oh, so she would not get anywhere near a sailboat other than to drop us off at the oh. harbor and say, "See you later." Oh, yeah. So she never. Well, no, we you. we cruised over to Catalina Island, mm-hmm. you know, pretty much every weekend during the summer, mm-hmm. and she came right along, mm-hmm. you know, all the years. And I would catch fish, and she would cook them. Mm-hmm. He would he would help me figure out the mechanics of catch, catching fish. Right 
Now, did your mother clean the fish as well before yeah. she well, cooked I, it? Well, I learned how to do yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. But uh, anyway, we're, you know, we're talking about him. And uh, I'd start at home. One of my strong memories is Sparklet's drinking water. Huh. He loved drinking water, mm. but not tap water. No. And so we had these big glass five-gallons five yep. on a stand, and, and he would lift them up and put them in, and then we would have this, you know, pure drinking water. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, I don't know, for better or worse, I have never in my life been able to drink tap water. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, yes, to this day, you're a bit of a water snob. <laughs> yeah. And of course, you know, those early memories of, you know, roughhousing on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, he liked to tinker in the garage, and I would just hang out there with him a lot. I never really caught his aptness for mechanical things. Mm. I think a few times I did successfully manage to change the oil in my car. But beyond that, mm-hmm. I I couldn't do a thing. But he would tinker with cars, and he always had projects going. That's the engineer type, isn't yes, it? Yes, exactly. You know? Yep. And uh, we had a boat from the time I was very, very young. Pretty much the same boat all the all those years. Well, what was the name of your boat? Finesse. Finesse. Because uh, my parents played bridge occasionally. Mm-hmm. And that's a a bridge term mm. that, of course, has outside applications. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. Basically, when you kind of trick someone into thinking you've got something that you don't have or that you do, don't have something you mm-hmm. do have, and, and then you win mm-hmm. a, a trick, a point. And uh, so he liked to race boats. So, mm-hmm. you know, finesse, I think it's a great name. Yeah, it's it a good. 32-foot Pearson. Uh, not the fastest craft on the water. No. I always used to envy the, you know, the cow. 40s and those boats with low handicaps. Yes, yes. So you had a higher handicap then, too. Yeah, 235. I don't remember what ours you know, was. P-H- P-H- in Allegro. You know, you you, th- you think back and, and there's specific memories and then there's kind of a collage mm-hmm. of memories. One thing, he was very interested in helping me learn to think mm-hmm. about things. One manifestation of that was this game... And I've tried to find it. I don't think it's still in print, but it was called Propaganda. Mm. And it would use various forms of propaganda, and you had to identify, you know, which was it. Kind of a probably involved detecting logical fallacies and things like that. But I just remember it was a hard game, but I liked it because I always thought, oh, this is making me smarter. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But uh, he was very tolerant, taught me to play chess, um, which I love to this day, although Mm -hmm. I'm not good at it. And uh, probably the most dominant thing I remember is on that boat, he would read poetry Mm -hmm. uh, from this book, Poems Old and New, I think. Mm -hmm. I even have the same book. It's one of the oldest things I have. I have a hairbrush from my babyhood. Aw, and that book are probably the two oldest things I still possess. Okay, so for our listeners who don't understand where Catalina is in compared to San Pedro, how what is this a multi-day trip to no, get no, there? No, no, no. It's yeah. it's 20 miles off the coast. So basically. how long would it take you? To, so describe a typical weekend. Oh, well, okay, a typical weekend 
<clears throat> he would generally take a, a day off Friday mm-hmm. in the summers and sometimes a half day on Thursday. Mm-hmm. And then we would uh, often, he would come home, we would pack up, we'd go down to the boat, we'd get there in the late afternoon. It's four or five hours to get over there. And uh, I think he liked going in the night because the children were asleep. Oh. And no one was complaining about how long it was going to take. So you motored over there then? We would motor over, Mm -hmm. and then I would wake up and boom, you're there, and Mm -hmm. you can start playing. Or sometimes we would leave in the morning. A lot of times we had to motor because just the the wind was not great. Mm -hmm. Coming back, however, the wind was great. (laughs) Right. Yes, because Catalina is to the west of the coast of California, so and generally it's the westerly winds that are... Pounding that yeah. beach. So we, yeah. we'd get going pretty fast. Sometimes even if he was ambitious, we'd set a spinnaker on the nice. return trip back. Mm-hmm. Um, he just loved water and being on the water and being near the water. Mm-hmm. It was funny. We'd be at the beach, and I'm just wanting to do stuff. I just want to go somewhere, mm-hmm. climb, you know, go on the rocks, build stuff. And my sister's five years younger, so... You know, for many years in there, she wasn't really able to Tag along. do a lot. Mm-hmm. He, he liked to just sit with his back up against the little cliffy thing there mm. in the shade and just look at the water and mm. do nothing. And I remember as a kid thinking, how can a person <laughs> want to do nothing? <laughs> um, now, at my age, I can understand it much better. Mm-hmm. But we would take long hikes up in, in the very pretty good mountains. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, four or five, six, seven hours to get to the top of a mountain and back again. Racing was a, a profound thing. Yes. Uh, there, uh, The Cabrillo Beach Yacht Club had wet Wednesdays. Okay. <laughs> uh, during the, the spring and summer mm-hmm. season. Mm-hmm. And so he'd take off, you know, half a day he had a lot of vacation. Sounds like it. <laughs> I think he. I think by the time I left home, he had like six weeks of paid mm. vacation or mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. So he'd take off half the day, and we would get down to the boat by you know five o'clock, and and the, the start of the race, and he'd sail around, and that part, that harbor, San Pedro, mm-hmm. Los Angeles Harbor, was very windy. In mm. fact, there was this spot where the wind would kind of come around Point Vicente, come around and just like, it, they called it Hurricane Gulch. Oh, uh-huh. And so it was choppy and wet a lot of the time. And there were a few other of his friends that would crew on mm. the boat because right. we needed about four people mm-hmm. at least, mm-hmm. plus little me, <laughs> uh, to, to race that boat. Mm-hmm. By the time it was over, it was almost dark. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you're having to fold the sails and wash down the boat and do all the chores in the dark. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I relished those times. Mm-hmm. It is probably a case of until I was old enough to be useful, at which point I became less interested in the whole thing. Mm-hmm. He, he more just tolerated having me there mm-hmm. participating uh, than I was really important to the success of the venture. But I always felt like it. You mentioned folding the sails. Yes. And if any of our listeners ever 
did sailing or raced sailboats or anything like that, they might have gotten that wash of memory, nostalgia that just came over me because you have to do it just right. Yeah. Because if you don't do it just right, then you're risking a yeah, huge investment. Bo- both my parents were very particular about mm-hmm. folding. Yeah. <laughs> um, with my mom, it was sheets, mm-hmm. you know, and you had to mm-hmm. get them just corner to corner, mm-hmm. just right. Mm-hmm. And so uh, to this day, I I am fairly meticulous about folding. Yes. In fact, I, I have never let anyone else, well, except for one of my daughters, I've never let anyone wash my clothes uh-huh. because I want <laughs> to fold them exactly the way ah, I want them. Ah, yes. Your dad taught you how to fold. <laughs> yeah, so folding sails, packing a spinnaker, mm-hmm. there, there's a trick to that. Yes, it is, you because you've them. got a... It's like a parachute. Mm-hmm. If you don't pack it right, it won't come out right. And yep, yep. It's not quite as consequential, but... <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and I think the thing that I have noticed about my parents, in retrospect, compared to my years of mm. being a parent and having children, right? they were just pretty relaxed about me going away mm-hmm. and not being continuously supervised. Mm-hmm. And uh, I talk about this in my nature deficit disorder talk yes. about mm-hmm. how, you know, previous generations, I think children... Parents just trusted children not to get lost or get too badly hurt or get in trouble. And mm-hmm. they, they didn't perceive the world as being so, you know, dangerous. Right. And so I would, gosh, probably around 12 or 13, I would just take off. Mm-hmm. They had no idea where I went. And this was pre-cell phone days. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And um, I guess, you know, their attitude came from their childhood. Mm-hmm. I, I'm guessing that my father had more freedom as a child even than I did. Mm -hmm. And you kind of go back generations all the way to that story, Bud and Me. Okay, yes. Where the two boys at seven and five years old ride their horses from Oklahoma City to Santa Fe, New Mexico in 1904 or something. I can't remember exactly. But, you know, the the book just blows your mind Mm -hmm. because any parents that would – allow their children to do something like that today would be in jail for sure. Yes. <laughs> um, so so there was this, I think, very healthy level of non-supervision mm-hmm. that, that I benefited from. Because mm-hmm. you have adventures and you kind of get in a tight spot and there's no one there to rescue you. So you've got to Figure it out. Figure out how to get from here to there. Mm-hmm. You know, especially I'm thinking hiking, climbing, being on rocks and you're stuck somewhere. You're like, how am I going to get down from mm-hmm. here without mm-hmm. dying? Right. <laughs> um, so, I don't know. There's, there's, uh, it's easy to be nostalgic about those times. Mm-hmm. There's, a, gosh, there's a, a, a website called Free Range Kids, I think. Mm. Mm. And it's kind of promoting this, like, let your kids go mm-hmm. and don't hyper worry about everything, mm-hmm. which is the opposite of the way society is is going. Right. It's like, no, you can't even ride your bike around the block. If I can't see you all mm-hmm. the time, mm-hmm. I'll yeah. be worried. So there was that that level. I did have a Sabbath mm-hmm. and I raced them. Mm-hmm. And um, 
you know. And just so the listeners know, a sabot is a dinghy. It's a small boat that really comfortably can only sit one, maybe two. One small person, yes. actually. Um, yeah, it's what, eight feet, eight and a half feet, something. Yeah. And um, at one sail. And again, you know, we'd go down, he'd be puttering around the boat, fixing mm-hmm. something, and I would just take off in that boat. I would be gone for hours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I remember one time I went so far out into the bay, and then the hurricane gulch, the wind started coming. And, I mean, these huge yeah. choppy waves just swamping my boat. And I thought, I could die out here. <laughs> I mean, there's other boats around. It's mm-hmm. not like, you know, in the middle of nowhere. Right. But... I just and I'm bailing and trying to get mm-hmm. back and you can't pull in the sail too much or you tip over mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and yeah, I'd come back and go, Do you have a good sail? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> great. <laughs> and then I'd look forward to that level of, you know, risk and excitement mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. I always I always went to the boat show. Do you ever go to a boat show? No. That was the time when covetousness would oh. creep in, you know. <laughs> dissatisfaction mm-hmm. you know we have this kind of older slower more cruising kind of sailboat and then we'd go look at the newest mm-hmm. slickest you know racing boats and and you'd go you know climb up it'd be in a big arena you climb up a little stairway and you could walk all the boat and go down and look we'd look at like every boat except the power boats oh right he had no interest in fact yes basically people who did power boats were just heretics of the worst sort. Even though there was a motor on your boat. Yes, but <laughs> but it's a psychological thing. Yes. <laughs> you know. Yes, our dads were very much alike in that regard as well. <laughs> you, you sail if you can, mm-hmm. if it's at all possible. Yes. You turn off the engine, even if you're going half as fast. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But if you can't, well, then you, you know, you can... Put put along, <laughs> and and they'd have the newest you know dinghies and the ultra light sabots and mm-hmm. you know my boat was two hundred dollars and mm-hmm. these were a thousand dollars yeah totally beyond the scope of anything that was possible, and so you would leave the boat show with this feeling of inferiority, <laughs> um, but I always look forward to it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think he liked having this older boat that needed a lot of. TLC mm-hmm. because he would just always have a maintenance or improvement project going. Right. And uh, I'm kind of the opposite there. I, I don't like maintenance or improvement projects, particularly <laughs> of the, the manual kind. Yep. So what happened to your sailboat, the finesse? Well, he had it till I left home mm-hmm. and then my parents were divorced mm. uh, right around the same time I mm. left home to go to school. And he kept it for several years, and then he upgraded to oh. a bigger boat mm-hmm. um, called Walton. Mm. It was, um, it was a 40, 41 feet. I can't remember. Wow. It was significantly more comfortable. Mm. Mm-hmm. And then he didn't race oh, his see. own boat. He raced other people's boats. As oh, a, I see. He would be a crew member. Mm-hmm. Yep. And— um, he would sometimes uh, crew on somebody's boat to uh, Mazatlan or Puerto Vallarta. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, there were races to those races, locations. Yeah. yeah, and these were usually wealthy people mm-hmm. who owned really expensive boats. Mm-hmm. So they would race down and take like three days to get there, mm-hmm. whatever, because they're going really fast. Mm-hmm. And then the owner 
would fly home, mm-hmm. and then my dad would be part of the few that would bring the boat back up the coast. Right, you know. leisurely bringing it And back. they'd go 24 hours and take, you know, mm-hmm. eight-hour shifts and do mm-hmm. that whole thing. Um, he, he raced to Hawaii one time. Oh, wow. Um, he didn't bring the boat back. No. <laughs> <laughs> so do you do much sailing now? No, I don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I not only don't own a boat of right. any kind. Right. I don't really feel any draw yeah. to that. I guess every now and then, I'll take the family out and we'll we'll rent a boat. Uh-huh. You know, I think the last time we went out was on Lake Minnetonka, in. Oh, really? Minnesota, yeah. Oh, so you haven't rented a boat here in Oklahoma? No. We have a lot of lakes yeah. around here. I guess I've never actually found out where I can rent a sailboat. Oh, well. I but it was pretty that. funny when they were kind of quizzing me, like, how do I still know how to sail a boat? It was. It's yeah. like riding a bike. Yes. You, you will not forget. Right. I will say, though, as a full-grown adult, I did take my children, and we were down there with him, mm-hmm. and he had a sabbat. And mm. I got in, I tried to sail a sabot. Yes. And I realized it is much harder to move from one side of that yes. dinghy to the other side quickly. Yes. Uh, compared to when you're, you know, 100 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Pretty little boat. And sabots, there's no, there's no place to sit but on the floor. You're, yeah. You're sitting yeah. right Well, and you the tack boat. the boat and you've got to shift sides. Yep, yep. You know, and if it's really windy, you've got to sit on the edge and mm-hmm. hike out mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, keep the boat from flipping over. And yes. Swamping it. <laughs> Great. So what about, tell me about, I know that in your talk, Nurturing Competent Communicators, you, and you started to go here, your dad read the poetry. You said your mom would read the stories and your dad read the poetry Obviously, that was a big influence in your life. How did your dad get excited about poetry? I do not know. Mm-hmm. We just had this book mm-hmm. of poems, and it was just one book, but it was a big, thick book of mm-hmm. a whole lot of poems. Mm-hmm. And he liked, I guess, either he liked them and and that's why he read them, or I liked them, mm-hmm. and that's why he read them. But I like the funny ones, mm-hmm. and I like the poems that would tell stories. Mm-hmm. And so if I look at the book that I still own yes. that he read poems from, the section of humorous poems is very well used. You know, the pages are darker, mm-hmm. and it, it opens to that spot easily, mm-hmm. and the rest of the book, you know, isn't nearly as used. But story poems and humorous poems, and mm-hmm. that's kind of... I guess what caused me to really like poetry. Right. If it had been left up to my school experience, I have no notable memories of reading poems before high school. And then I remember just reading really hard, mm-hmm. horrible poems <laughs> that weren't really poems, but they said they were, mm-hmm. <laughs> like The Wasteland by T.S. Eliot, mm. which I'm sure has value. Mm -hmm. But as a 14-year-old in high school English class, Mm -hmm. you just don't relate to it at all. And then later, you know, I got very interested in Shakespeare. Mm. I think I had one good Shakespeare experience in high school. But the lifelong love of poetry was really cultivated, you know, at home, mostly on that boat. Because at home, you know, he'd read bedtime stories Till I could read myself, and then mm-hmm. I would read 
World Book Encyclopedia and Fairy Tales, it was just a nighttime ritual on that boat. My sister and I would be in the, the two forward bunks mm-hmm. in the sleeping bags, mm-hmm. and he would read poems for, mm-hmm. I don't know how long, 20, 30 minutes maybe. So your boat was essentially your hotel room. That's where you slept. Oh, yeah. Well, didn't you sleep in your boat? Yes, but I, I'm just, again, getting inside the head of a listener who may not understand that that's the kind of boat you have. Oh, yeah. Well, a 30-foot boat, mm-hmm. usually you go down, and then there's a couple places on either side to sit. Tiny little kitchen. There's usually a pop-up table. Mm-hmm. I think ours was a fold-down table, so you can sit on either side, and you have a place to eat. Mm-hmm. And then my dad rigged up this thing that connected the two sides and and made and made like a queen sized bed and then they slept in their sleeping bags mm-hmm. in a much uh, larger mm-hmm. space and then the two forward bunks and then you push the sails into the sail storage compartment in the very very bow and you have he had our own little shelf so you'd unpack your duffel bag and put your swimsuit and your socks and then seashell and sand dollar collection. <laughs> yes, and yes, that's right. Had a drawer and you mm-hmm. could keep your important stuff like your knife in your drawer. And it, was, it was simple, mm-hmm. but met every need of a child. Mm-hmm. We didn't do camping. So, you know, a lot of families do that kind mm-hmm. of camping thing. We really didn't. In fact, I, I think I went camping with my grandparents, mm-hmm. only they had a big Airstream trailer. Mm-hmm. But my dad had no interest in that. But if from from my perspective, what you did every weekend was as close to camping. I mean, you camped. Every yeah, weekend. yeah. You're roughing it, and, yeah. and you're cooking on the little charcoal grill out mm-hmm. on the, and then on the cockpit outside. And, mm-hmm. and I would sometimes catch fish or spear fish. Mm-hmm. I don't think my dad liked fish very much, but my mother loved the fish. And we usually would have, you know, hamburgers and maybe steak and then fish. If you have to catch it. And then the ice would melt. So we had an ice box. Did you have an ice box? So to to do this, you, you would get a big, mm-hmm. like... Block of ice. Two-foot mm-hmm. cubic of ice. Mm-hmm. Maybe not two feet, foot and a half. And, and put it in the ice box. And then you would put in all of your perishables. Milk for your cereal, the meat, whatever you would normally put in your refrigerator. Mm-hmm. Only this ice would just melt. So on a long trip, like if we had a long trip uh, up to Santa Cruz Island, we'd be gone for a week. The ice would melt by mm-hmm. that time. Sure. So there's no more fresh anything, and it was all canned and packaged. And but yeah, we, you're a kid, you're always hungry. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you had a. An idyllic childhood with lots of great memories with your father. Lots of great memories. You know, I think there obviously were challenges Mm -hmm. in the teenage years. Although, I'll finish up with this very humorous, appropriate Father's Day story. Okay, great. I took my son with my father and his wife on his nice, spacious boat. Mm -hmm. We went over to Catalina Island. And uh, my son was, I think, 14. Okay. And he was just really uh, being obnoxious and just driving me crazy. Mm. And I was so, like, just getting so angry. And I finally said, all right, I said to him, I said, you get off this boat. 
you get in that dinghy and you just go away for an hour. Mm. I don't want to see you. And if you're not off this boat in one minute, I'm going to throw you in the water. <laughs> right? He could swim. So he's like pouting and he gets and he goes away. And I turned to my father and I said, did I give you a bit of grief mm-hmm. when I was that age? Mm-hmm. And my father just smiled and said, you have no idea. Oh, <laughs> wow. So, you know, it's a good thing mm-hmm. that the, the happier memories are the stronger ones mm-hmm. and the times where there were conflict seem to fade better. Mm-hmm. And that's, mm-hmm. I guess, a gift of, yes. of memory. Yes, exactly. Well, thank you for sharing your memories of your father and for sharing, albeit not directly, certainly many lessons you learned from him. Happy Father's Day. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, you can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Or just visit us each week at IEW.com slash podcast. Until then, on behalf of Andrew Pudua and the team at IEW, I thank you for allowing us to partner with you on your journey toward better listening, speaking, reading, writing, and thinking. <laughs>